0: I'm Carson Horn, and it's Monday at 10, which means it's time for Talkin' Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So grab your toilet paper, and let's get rolling. Do you feel it? There's a lot of good vibes in the air in Auburn, Alabama, as we approach March. Auburn basketball responded down one of its best players this Saturday. This past Saturday against Georgia, Auburn baseball has started off its season on fire, and spring football is upon us. It is some exciting times on the plains. We're going to talk about all of it today. I'm Carson Horn. You're listening to Talking Tumors. Thank you for tuning in, whether you're listening live or listening on podcast. This is our last show before spring break, so we've got to make the most of it because we will not be back on air for two weeks after today, so there is plenty of To get into, so let's start right now with Auburn basketball and what they did this weekend. As I mentioned, Jalen Williams went down with the injury last Saturday against Kentucky. Auburn had their bye week. Finally, it couldn't have come at a more perfect time. For this team, it allowed the coaching staff to figure some things out, how they were going to handle this injury, how they were going to handle this rotation. Could they go on the road and get a big-time win, a much-needed win against Georgia? Well, they did just that, and they delivered a statement. Auburn won this game 97-76. to Everyone stepped up. With, with Jalen Williams out, we talked about last week, it couldn't just be Chaney Johnson, who did have a very good game. But there were going to have to be other guys who stepped up. The whole team was was going to have to step up. It wasn't going to be one player replacing the production that Jalen Williams brought to this team, and it wasn't that. You saw everyone step in and have a bigger role on Saturday. You saw Auburn do a lot of things differently that we're going to get into that really helped lead this team to get this win. It was an impressive shooting Game for Auburn. Auburn shot 62% from the field, 54% from three. This team has had some really, really good shooting games. They've had some really, really bad shooting games this season. But this game actually surpassed the South Carolina game. It actually surpassed the Ole Miss game for Auburn's best shooting game this season. And it was the best shooting game of the Bruce Pearl era, which is crazy to think. And it was the best shooting percentage for Auburn in a game since 2013. In a a non conference game uh, was with that game I think against um, in, in 2013 against a, a no name team so really really impressive game from Auburn it was the best SEC shooting uh, best shooting percentage by a team on the road in SEC play this season had Kentucky not gone off the rails against Alabama. It would have been the best shooting percentage, period, of any team the SEC this season. But we all know what happened in the Kentucky game, and I'm not complaining about that, as I'm sure you are not either if you're an Auburn fan listening to this show for Kentucky's win over Alabama. But that's not what we're talking about. That's just a side note, so I digress. The biggest story, though, of this game had to be Chad Baker-Mazzara. We have seen him play really well this season, I I can't help but think back to this past offseason and the the amount of time I spent on this very show talking about what was Auburn going to do at the three position if Alan Flanagan left, who was going to come in and replace him. And it just took a while. And some of the targets that that Auburn kind of thought they were going to go after, some of the top targets that Auburn was kind of thought they were going to go after, ended up not landing them. And you're wondering, oh goodness, I mean, what's going to happen? This three positions got to be good this year. It's got to produce better this year. And then all of a sudden, this name Chad Baker Mazzara comes on the onto the scene. You're like, who? 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 Chad Baker? Who? And it, this is a guy that's coming from JUCO. That's been at San Diego State. That's been at Duquesne. And he comes in here and he fills that role better than expected. And he has been phenomenal for Auburn all season. And then on on Saturday. When Auburn was down a big scoring piece, he stepped up and could not be stopped. Georgia had no answer for him. He scored 25 points with 8 for 12 from the field, 2 for 3 from 3-point range, had 5 rebounds and 4 assists. Just all-around incredible game. This was his first game starting all season as well. We'll talk more about the rotations later on. But just a great game from Chad Baker, a super likable guy. His teammates love him. Great background, as you found out after, if you continue to watch the coverage on SEC Network. His high school coach passed away. He found out about the news on the way to the game and then went on to play as well as he did. He was also in concussion protocol for most of the week last week because the elbow he took to the head in the Kentucky game. So just hats off to Chad Baker-Mazzara. Really, really impressed with his performance. And and he's been key all year For Auburn, he quietly averages around 10 points per game, so you don't always notice him. He's shooting over 40% from three this season. So he he has been really good, but then to see him just take the game over on Saturday was was phenomenal. So great job, Chad Baker-Mazzara. That was huge for Auburn. And then Chaney Johnson, look, he stepped up. He had 16 points. That was his season high this year for, for Auburn. He has played well on the road, and I know that there's been some frustrations with him as far as his development, but I think he's developed a ton. This season, he showed that when he had greater opportunity to play more minutes on Saturday. He took some really good looks. He always has played good defense this year. Foul, fouling, he's still got to work on. He still gets some foul trouble too much, even in limited minutes, and he did in this game as well. But he played well. And he needed to he needed to step up and, and play better. Again, he didn't need to be Jalen Williams. He didn't need to go out there and drain five threes. He didn't do that. But he produced and he he added he added what Auburn needed as far as production from the four position. He complemented the strengths of this team with the new lineup. So good job for Chaney Johnson. It's something that Chaney Johnson also is playing for is to make a statement that he should be the starting four next season. We know Jalen Williams out of eligibility. He'll be moving on after the year. So Auburn's going to have to bring in a four to along with Chaney Johnson, but the level of player that Auburn brings in, the four, could be determined on how well Chaney Johnson does during this time that Jalen Williams is out and for the rest of the season. So far this year, Chaney had not showed enough to give, I think, Auburn fans with his Auburn coaching staff confidence that he for sure could be the guy next year. He has shown signs of that. He has shown plenty of potential, but he hasn't shown enough consistently. And again, it's not all his fault. He hasn't played a ton of minutes, but he sh- what he showed on, on Saturday against Georgia is good enough to be a starter next year in the SEC and to be a really good player. Can he continue that moving forward? We'll see, but very good performance from Chaney Johnson. And then how about Auburn's guards? They stepped up. They met the challenge. They knocked down shots. And I just want to play this clip from last week's show about Auburn's guards. So let, let's roll that. What will determine if Auburn can beat Georgia and can compete in these games without Jalen Williams? It comes down to Auburn's guards. Janai Broom can only do so much. And again, with more attention going to be put on him without teams having to worry about Jalen Williams, it's going to be even harder for Janai Broom to score at a high level. So Auburn's guards have to make shots. They have to figure out how to score. I'm actually, in a way, obviously not excited about Jalen Williams' injury, but I am excited to to see the guards being forced to pick up their play a little bit more, to see more pressure being put on them to perform at a high level. I think they can do it, and that's why. If I didn't think they could do it, I wouldn't be sitting here saying I'm excited to see how they fare. I believe this, these guards, Denver Jones, Trey Donaldson, Aiden Holloway, Katie Johnson, they're talented enough, they're good enough to step up and play better. And I think they will. And that's exactly what happened. So a little humble brag there, a uh, little uh, pat on my back for my, for myself there, but I wanted to, to, to re- replay that clip because I think a lot of folks had doubts about Auburn's guards, and it's fair. They've been up and down this season, but the talent is there. They can make shots. Denver Jones is shooting near 40% from three this year, Aiden Holloway's been the biggest uh, letdown, if you will, for the guards, but I'll talk more about that in a second. But, of course, Chad Baker-Mazzara, you could count him in there as a guard as well, and we know how how well he stepped up into that role. Katie Johnson played poorly for some of the game, but really turned it on and was a big part of Auburn's run there to cement that victory on Saturday when he got got going and started to, to play well. So, Auburn's guard's. They do not have to, to shoot that well. This team does not have to shoot this well to win games. When Auburn does shoot this well, as we've seen, Georgia, South Carolina, Ole Miss both times, they they wipe the floor with whoever they're playing. However, that doesn't have to be the case. Didn't shoot that well against Alabama. Still whooped Alabama. Didn't didn't shoot that well against A&M. Still beat A&M. Didn't shoot that well, really, shot decently at Arkansas. Beat Arkansas by 30. I know that those some of those teams aren't great teams. But it just goes to show Auburn just has to knock down some shots to win games. This is a, a good team, and they are an excellent team when they knock down threes like they did on Saturday. Again, can't expect them to shoot 50% in every game, but if you shoot close to in around the average of what this team is shooting, that is good enough to beat the majority of teams in college basketball and will give you a chance in every game you play if the defense continues to play at the level it's playing at. And then I mentioned Jenei Broom in that clip last week. He was he quietly added 16 points. Most of those came in the second half. Again, the way Chad Baker Mazzara was playing, Auburn did not really work Janai Broom much. And when they did, Georgia did collapse on him a lot. But if you start to open up, make those threes, even without Jalen Williams in there to add another scoring threat in the paint, Jenei Broom's going to get good looks. That happened in the second half. He also had a lot of offensive rebounds and put putbacks which were huge for this Auburn team so he added 13 rebounds so another good game he is still crucial crucial to Auburn and its success moving forward this season and then finally to to wrap up this segment how about Auburn's coaching just a phenomenal phenomenal job by Bruce Pearl and of course he gave all the credit to his staff as he always does after the game and they do deserve a lot of credit too but there were a lot of things they had to figure out and it benefited them to have a week, but still, I mean, the rotations, the zone defense. Auburn, Auburn decided to to start Aiden Holloway again. They decided to start Chad Baker Mazzara at the three for the first time all year, and then of course, Channing Johnson started at the four. They moved Chris Moore to the backup four position. Leor played the backup three, but then you saw the rotation with Janai Broom and Dylan Cardwell, with Janai playing the four and Dylan at the five. We talked about that last week. I wondered how much Auburn would go to that. And really had a lot of success with that lineup, and because as Bruce Pearl said, it was just about getting our best players on the court. So hats off to this staff, just a great, great job. I thought the zone defense, especially with Aiden Holloway on the court, who is not a great defender, having running that zone defense took some pressure off of him, and it threw it threw Georgia off. Bruce Pearl said after the game he didn't believe Auburn ran it exceptionally well. But they did it enough that it that it kind of threw Georgia uh, out of rhythm a little bit. So good job making some adjustments there. So you may be asking yourself though, well, why did why has Chad Baker Mazzara not started all year? I know that's been a, a a point of contention this whole season. Well, the reason was because you didn't want to have such a poor offensive second rotation. We know how Bruce Pearl rotates; he's going to play ten to eleven guys, and so the second rotation with Cheney Johnson with Dylan Carwell you threw Chris Moore in there as well that's a really poor second rotation offensively so that was the reason Chad Baker Mazar was coming off of the bench and Chris Moore was starting but when you had to insert Cheney Johnson into the starting lineup you you had to put Chad Baker Mazar in there because you needed the offense with your with your uh, first rotation and it paid off. But after you saw how well Chad Baker-Mazzara played in the starting role, it might be hard to ever take him out of that again. So maybe Auburn has to figure some things out with their second rotation, adjusting that a little bit to to have better offensive production while still keeping Chad Baker in the starting rotation. But that was the logic, and it made sense. But now I think after seeing Chad Baker in, in the starting lineup, it's going to be hard to, to take him out if you're Bruce Pearl at this point. And then, as for Chris Moore, he actually played less minutes when one guy was down. But again, that had to do more with the way Auburn rotated playing Jenei Broom at the five and the four. So Chris Moore was no longer in the three man at the three position rotation with Chad Baker, Mazzaro, just him and Leor. So therefore, that's why Chris Moore played more minutes, uh, played less minutes, even though Jalen Williams was out. I don't necessarily expect that to be the case at Tennessee, and I'll explain why later on. In the show. But with that, let's wrap up this first segment. When we return, I've got a few more things I want to break down and then we'll move on to previewing the week ahead for Auburn basketball. So stay tuned to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. We will be right back. Auburn basketball has 12 10 win SEC seasons in its history, six of those have come. From Bruce Pearl, the other six came in the previous 111 years of Auburn basketball. I just wanted to put that stat out there to put everything in perspective. I know as Auburn basketball fans, now the expectations are through the roof. That's what made last season so I think frustrating for Auburn fans. But then you you look at it from you know 30,000 feet away, you would look at it and say, "Oh wow, I mean that's another." Successful season for, for Auburn basketball, and it was. It was. It was just because of the way expectations have been built after the Final Four. Auburn fans, to a certain extent, some, not all, have created a little bit of unrealistic expectations for this program. And I thought that it's Final Four Bust every year. And that's just not the case. And historically, that's certainly not the case for Auburn basketball. I think it's great that Auburn fans have high expectations and they want to see Auburn compete at the highest level in college basketball because they've proven the ability to do that. This team can do that. Last year's team couldn't as much. But at the same time, it is important to be grateful and to keep things in perspective of what Bruce Pearl has done for Auburn basketball. And it's nothing short of phenomenal, and it's been a, a, a wonderful achievement for for Bruce Pearl. And, and I think at times, I think especially last year, you could sense a little bit of frustration uh, from him, I think, as, the, as there was a little bit of, of frustration from the fan base about how last season went. And I think it's important to to remember where this program Came from where it's at currently, and to be grateful for the Auburn basketball that you that you as fans get to watch, you know, week in and week out, even even the ugly ones, even the frustrating games, but because it is quite a, a great achievement uh, where the, where the program is at. So I think that I just wanted to make note of that stat because Auburn did win ten SEC, uh, did reach the ten SEC win mark this past Saturday. They finished ten and eight in the SEC last season, so really are on track to to get a couple more. SEC wins before the this season closes out. So with that being said, I want to talk about one more thing, and then we'll dive into the Tennessee preview. So Aiden Holloway went back into the starting lineup. Aiden Holloway was five-star true freshman, seen as the best shooter in the class coming into Auburn this season, like the best shooter in all of uh, coming out of high school basketball this um, last year. And he he started out the season hot. Uh, he looked really good in that Baylor game and really throughout all of non-conference, but then really struggled, has really struggled in SEC play, shooting just over 20% from three. But you knew it was not a talent thing. It wasn't a form thing. It w- it truly was something in, in Aiden Holloway's mind, and he couldn't get out of that funk as far as his, his shooting went. And the shots still looked good out of his hand, and you're just wondering, are they ever going to go in again? And, and my thought was, probably not at this point if it's gotten this late in the season it's probably just not going to happen you'd hope that he can get out of got to get out of the funk before next season and so forth and so on and the biggest thing that Auburn needed for him was for him to continue to not turn the ball over continue to run the offense and and just deal with with come what may as far as shooting goes but that finally changed on Saturday and I couldn't be more happy for Aiden Holloway. He is a really good dude. So great to see him to see shots fall for him, including one that he banked in. He he deserved to have that happen. He made five threes on Saturday in this game, and if he does make threes it elevates the ceiling of this team. And we've talked about that all year. Again, I just have expected it not him to not be able to turn it back on again at this point in the season. So I've kind of ta- i had kind of taken that out of the equation. But he, he doesn't need to make five threes a game. But if he can make two or three a game, it really does elevate this team and, and really puts this team at a really good chance to make a Final Four if he can if he can shoot that way consistently. So great for him, for Aiden Holloway, to be able to get out of that funk and be able to make some threes. I want to read this quote from Bruce Pearl on Aiden Holloway just to, to give you a better feel from Bruce Pearl of the kind of person Aiden Holloway is. Bruce Pearl said, quote, I want to give him credit. He hit five threes. We started him on the road. I thought he played well with Jani historically, and we know what Aiden is capable of doing because Georgia dropped the kids, stuck it out. He stayed in the gym. He got off social media and didn't listen to a lot of folks that were disappointed. Nobody was as disappointed than Aiden, in Aiden, or more than Aiden. We have to keep that in mind. It's not the kid's fault he was a McDonald's All-American and a great high school player. He understood it and put it on himself that he wasn't playing as well as he could have. None of us lost confidence in him. I'm glad to see him be a huge part of this. It makes everything we do work a lot better. End of quote from Bruce Pearl there. Great, great synopsis there. I think Bruce Pearl definitely was excited to see that from Aiden Holloway. And again, if he can continue to make a couple a game, that'll be huge for Auburn down the stretch. But the most important thing is for him not to turn the ball over and to run the offense. The same goes for Trey Donaldson. But that was a big-time win. Just to, to summarize that when Auburn needed that win because of this game on Wednesday night against Tennessee. This is going to be a very, very tough matchup. I thought this is a game that Auburn would lose with Jalen Williams, assuming Jalen Williams does not play in this game, which I don't expect him to on Wednesday night. It makes it all the more difficult. I think Tennessee is the best team in the SEC. Uh, they are very good defensively, as always. They are coming off a 35-point home win against Texas A&M, a Texas A&M team that beat them in College Station. Tennessee more than returned the favor on Saturday. Tennessee has the number 2-rated defensive efficiency. According to Kim Palm, they only give up 66.7 points per game. Very, very good their offense is solid. They average 80.3 points per game. But I still think this team is defensive uh, a defensive first type of team. That's typically been the case under Rick Barnes, similar to Auburn in that regard. They they're holding teams to 38% from the field shooting. I mean, that is lockdown defense. Extremely extremely uh high level of play uh, from this uh, Tennessee team. They're not as as good of a shooting team as they've been in the past, but that doesn't mean they're not good. They they shoot about 25 threes from game, make about 8 to 9 per game from three. so they, they like to shoot it, they have guys who can shoot it. But the key for this team offensively is Dalton Connect. You all know his name by now. The transfer from Northern Colorado just bursted onto the scene out of nowhere really for a lot of fans and he he and Mark Sears are battling it out for SEC Player of the Year. He is a 6'6 guard. He is going to be a top-10 pick in the NBA draft. He averages 20 points per game, shooting 40% from three. He's hard to stop, but Auburn has to limit him if they're going to have a chance to compete in this game. I'm not sure who's going to guard him. I'm, I really am curious to see how Auburn defends him, and when I mentioned Chris Moore earlier, not playing many minutes against Georgia. I think he will play more minutes in this game against Tennessee because I think you'll see Chris Moore guard him in this game. Auburn could roll with Denver Jones or even Katie Johnson on him some. I think that's a possibility as well, but I think you'll see Chad Baker-Mazzara and Chris Moore on him more. I think that three position is who's going to have to defend him, but it's not going... It'll be a team effort. It, it is not going to be easy to defend him one-on-one, and he can make tough shots. you have seen it Time and time and again, but you've got to force him to take those tough shots. You can't give him easy looks. If Auburn can slow him down, they'll have a chance. But Tennessee has other key players, as we know. Everyone remembers Sakai Ziegler, who has felt like has been at Tennessee for forever. He's averaging 11 points per game this season and six assists. Santiago Vescovy has been one of Tennessee's better scorers in the past, but with the play of Don't Connect this season for the Volunteers, he hasn't had as big of a role, but he can get hot at any moment, especially from three. He's averaging around seven points per game this year. And then Jonas Adu in the paint, their their five-man, has been incredible this season. He's averaging 12 points per game, eight rebounds, going to be a really fun matchup to watch Jani Broom and Adu go after it on Saturday. And those are two of the best bigs in the league, and I would argue in, in college basketball. And then Josiah Jordan James, also a player that's been there for forever. He's like a guard, but he plays that forward position for Tennessee. So that is, uh, he, he has shown the ability. He's a really good rebounder. This will be a physical matchup between him and Chaney Johnson at that forward position. That should also be interesting to watch. Chaney's going to have to be careful to not foul and get into foul trouble early, especially against a player as physical as Josiah Jordan James is. So those are some of the other key players to watch for this volunteer team. So what are the keys to winning this game? I think Auburn's got to make it a defensive matchup. So the only team that's gone into Knoxville this season and won was South Carolina. South Carolina, we know, is a good defensive team. Well... If you, if you just watched the Auburn-South Carolina game, you may not know that, but if you watch South Carolina as a whole, they are a good defensive team. They went up there, they slowed that game down, they turned it into a physical defensive battle, kept it in the 60s, and they were able to pull off the upset. Auburn doesn't necessarily need to play at a snail's pace because that's not what benefits them offensively. But Auburn's got to make this this game ugly. <laughs> Auburn did a tremendous job last season. If you remember that game up in Knoxville that finished in the 40s, that game was extremely brutal to watch. I'm not talking about that ugly. But I'm saying Auburn's defense is going to have to keep them, keep them in the game and give them a chance in the end. You've got to defend Dalton Connect, and you've got to stop Zakai Ziegler, who is very good at getting to the – basket and making things happen if Aiden Holloway is on him if Trey Donaldson is on him they have got to stop the dribble drive penetration from Ziegler and then of course limit don't connect the best you can and then finally play clean if you're going to have any chance especially on the road against a very good Tennessee defense you cannot turn the ball over got to make the most of your possessions on the offensive end so, again, I think it's a it's going to be a long shot, I think, for Auburn to pull off this upset. But if they play well defensively, they've got a chance to win. When way I look at this game, though, yes, there's a lot on the line because if Auburn loses this game, most likely they are out of contention for the SEC race. I get that. But at the same time, you're not expected to win this game. You're going on the road to face one of the best teams in the country, the team that's currently tied for first place in the SEC. If you win this game, you put yourself in prime position, to win at least a share of the conference championship. So go out there, play loose, have fun, let the ball fly, take good shots, take smart shots, but don't don't play tense, don't play tight. Go out there and get after it and see what happens. And if Auburn comes out with that philosophy, I think they'll have a chance. I do think they'll compete. Uh, Auburn has pro, uh, shown the ability to play well at Tennessee, so I think they'll, they'll play well. I think they'll keep it fairly close. But I do think Tennessee will win the game. I think Tennessee is the better team at home. So I, I think Tennessee will win that game. But we'll see how it plays out. It, like I said, it could be, if if Auburn does win that game, watch out. It's going to be, I, I opened the show talking about good vibes. It, it, if Auburn wins that game, I, I think a lot of fans are going to be on cloud nine they're going to realize what the final three-game stretch looks like for Auburn, and they're going to realize that there's a really good chance Auburn's going to be SEC champions, at least a share of it. So, yes, there's a lot on the line, but go after it, play loose, have fun, and see if you can pull off the upset in Knoxville. With that, we'll head to our second break. When we return, we'll preview the Mississippi State rematch, and then we will finally shift gears to something else. So stay tuned to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. Hi, I'm Matt Kenseth. ...at Tennessee, but after that, they will return home to take on Mississippi State in a rematch. Auburn lost that game earlier in the year. I was there in Starkville to witness that game. Mississippi State is playing great basketball right now. They won five straight, including a 20-point win on the road at LSU, the same LSU team that had just beaten Kentucky at home. And now Mississippi State gets a return home, though, in host Kentucky. So, it's a really tough week for Mississippi State to have to host Kentucky and then travel to Auburn. But they're they're really hot right now, so they're going to have a chance in, in both of those games. So, what does Auburn need to do this time around to to avoid the upset against Mississippi State? I think offensively, you just got to execute better. I I look back at that game, and I, you know, like I said, I was there in person. I watched it in person. I went and looked back at the stats of that game. I think it was an anomaly that Auburn lost this game the first time in Mississippi State. It was just a true one of those games on the road where you just happen happen to lose it. Auburn got a lot of good looks in that game. They didn't knock down shots. Yes, Mississippi State limited Auburn's front court, but Auburn's front court also. Had plenty of opportunity. Jalen Williams just didn't connect on a lot of his shots he had in that game. Auburn shot 34% from the field, 25% uh, from three. And then Josh Hubbard, who is a fantastic point guard, freshman point guard from Mississippi State, made some tough shots late. And that ended up being the difference. So if Auburn defends like they did in that first meeting and they get the looks they got in in the first matchup, I think Auburn will be fine. I think they'll win this game fairly comfortably as well. And the biggest question will be, how do they respond to a physical game that that will happen on Wednesday against Tennessee? How do they respond to that on two days of rest and get ready to roll on Saturday? But I think they'll be ready to go. The jungle will be different. Spring break, as I mentioned, is next week, so I'm sure a lot of students will be gone. So we'll see how that affects the the home court environment. But it'll still be in in Auburn's you know in Neville Arena, still on your home court. So I, I like Auburn to win this game and win it fairly comfortably if they play like they're capable of. But that does not mean Mississippi State is not a good team and it's not a dangerous team with the level of defense that they play. Will Jalen Williams be back for this game? Who knows. I, I really, I kind of doubt it, but we'll, we'll see. I don't think that Bruce Pearl is going to give it away at any point when he talks to the media this week for, for either game for that matter because it helps if teams are having to prepare for him as well. so But we'll see. With that, we have got to get to other stuff in the show today. I've spent way too much time on Auburn basketball because Auburn football begins spring practice this week. So what are the storylines that I'm looking for? There are plenty of articles you can read out there, but this is just the storylines I kind of thought of yesterday when I was thinking about the show today and thinking about spring practice. And these are things I came up with. So to start off, I'm interested, are there going to be any scheme changes on the offensive or defensive side of the ball with two new coordinators? I think there will be some changes offensively, but for the most part, it, it is still Hugh Freeze's offense. It was Hugh Freeze's offense last year with some minor changes with Philip Montgomery. This year it will be pretty much fully Hugh Freeze's offense with maybe some a few additions from from Derek Nix as the offensive coordinator. So I don't think there will be huge changes there. I think there will be a more emphasis on RPOs. I think Hugh Freeze really, really likes the run pass option um, plays and scheme. So I think you'll see more of that. But I overall, I don't think you'll see big changes. On the defensive side of the ball, DJ Durkins, he likes to run three down linemen. We'll see if he changes that. We'll see what he likes to go with. Ron Roberts ran a lot of four down so we'll see what, what it kind of looks like in the secondary as well with the C1. DJ Durkin seems to like man, but will he go more zone? We'll see. Those are things that I'm interested in that are more X's and O's based and not overarching storylines, but I'll be interested to see how that plays out with, with as far as scheme goes. Another storyline I'm looking forward to is what newcomers stand out, what freshmen, what transfers. Will it be someone like a Cam Coleman? I think Auburn fans certainly hope that he will stand out at wide receiver. What about Amaris Williams, the defensive lineman, five-star defensive lineman that Auburn signed? Will he stand out? Jamonte Waller, the five-star edge, outside linebacker, whatever you want to call it. Will there be someone else? Again, I mentioned transfers. Will it be the Robert Lewis, the transfer from Georgia State, that's going to stand out at receiver? those That's always one of the more interesting storylines for me to follow during spring is who is that? that guy that kind of jumps out that you're like, who? Who's that? Now, Cam Coleman. Jamonte Waller, those guys, you know who they are. But it, those, those type of names pop. That is great news for Auburn. So that is some of the another storyline I'm looking forward to watching. And then the one that most of you probably care about, I, I put it in there because I, I know that it is a, a a hot topic. That is, is there going to be a quarterback battle? And I mean a legitimate quarterback battle. Of course, there's always competition, quote-unquote, but is there? Is it truly going to be an open competition? I'm not so sure. I I really don't think so. Like I do think Hugh Freeze will say yes. Every position is up for grabs, so forth and so on, like every coach says. But but does that mean that a Walker White, a Hank Brown, a Holden Garner will have an actual chance to win the starting quarterback job? I really don't think so. But hey, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. So we'll see. That is the storyline that I know many folks are interested in this spring. And then will there be any big developers in year two? Guys like Deron Reed, who was a highly rated freshman this past season but really didn't see any action on the field. Bobby Jamison Travis, another defensive lineman who played well in the bowl game. Are you going to hear about his development, how he's really come on? Tyler Johnson true freshman offensive tackle, is he going to come onto the scene and compete for a starting tackle job possibly this season? We'll see. Those are some of the interesting. That kind of goes along with the the storyline of what newcomers could stand out. But those are those are some of my favorite things to hear in spring. Look, everything you hear in spring, for the most part, is positive. And coach speak, this guy does this. This guy, oh, yeah, we really like the new offense. We like the, the new offseason program. We really think it benefited us. It's a lot of positive. Everybody thinks they've got a great team in spring. You're not going up against anybody, so it's easy to say that. But those are kind of the storylines I'm looking forward to to watching play out this season. So yesterday, though, I asked a question to a few different people, and I, I, I'd love to give, get your thoughts on this as well. What result will make you feel good about Auburn football at the end of the spring? There's, there's a couple of different options that I kind of thought of, and when I got the feedback, a, a lot of folks agreed. Would it be that Peyton Thorne really looks good, or would it be that you know maybe Walker White's coming onto the scene, or Hank Brown? Would it be the D-line is better than expected, maybe the offensive line room looks better? What is it that will make you feel confident heading into fall that, okay, this team's got a chance to be pretty good? For me, it will be the defensive line room looks better than expected. That's my biggest concern, and in, and in the following weeks after spring break, I'll go into a bigger breakdown of each position room on the team, and D-line will be where I start because there is not a lot of depth there. There's not a lot of talent there. There is some talent, don't get me wrong, but there it is not deep at all. So if the defensive line room coming out of spring seems like it's better than expected, with maybe some of the transfers kind of showing out, that would that would make me feel good heading in to to uh, the summer and then eventually into fall camp. Most of the responses I got back though had to do with the quarterback and specifically seeing positive results from Peyton Thorn. I do think most people do believe he will be the guy again next season, even if they are hopeful for someone else. Also got some feedback that the new wide receivers, that that the freshman wide receivers are looking good. Now two of them are on campus right now. Perry Thompson and Malcolm Simmons will not be here until summer. But Bryce Kane and Cam Coleman are on campus currently. So I think some people want to hear positive um, comments on the receiver room that those guys are going to be ready to contribute early on along with someone like Robert Lewis, the transfer I, I mentioned from Georgia State. I think that's equally important. I think defensive line and wide receiver room are two of the biggest rooms that 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 need watching this spring that are going to be very important for to, to that will determine in a big way what Auburn's success will be next season. So I completely agree with that. And then an interesting one I did get was the linebacker room. That they want to see who else is going to step up in that room besides Eugene Asante and Austin Keys. Will it be Dorian Mousey, the transfer from Duke? Will it be one of these one of the true freshman linebackers that came in there like a DeMarcus Riddick? Or Joe Phillips, or a DJ Barber. Who 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 in that linebacker room can provide depth? Will it be a uh, Wesley Steiner who's in what feels like his hundredth year at Auburn, or Robert Woodyard? Some of those guys who haven't been big producers for Auburn. So th- those are some of the um, the storylines to watch as we move forward. I think in spring, and those are those results. If if you hear the positive results on on the. Defensive line on the wide receiver room, quarterback position. That at least the Auburn fans I talked to, they believe that will make them feel good heading into the fall. So I'd love to hear your feedback on that. You can uh, let me know on social media at Talking Tumors or reach out to me uh, personally. But I'd, I'd love to hear your feedback on that as well. There's not as many questions this spring as as it, there was in the first spring for Hugh Freeze. That's typical there there of course there's going to be more questions as you head into year 1 than in year 2 but i would say there are still plenty of questions to be answered for this auburn football program because of the turnover turnover with players of course but also the turnover in staff with a lot of with two new coordinators and a lot of changes at position for position coaches as well so yes there there's not as much unknown as last season but there still should be a lot of eyes on Auburn and this spring practice this week. So looking forward to hearing Hugh Freeze talk about opening up spring practice this week and kind of what he wants to get out of it and his expectations. And they'll practice a couple times this week, then they'll be off for spring break, and then they'll get back at it after spring break. So it's going to be fun to follow over the coming month or so once we get back from spring break. But those are kind of my thoughts heading into spring practice for Auburn football. Well, with that, we'll wrap up this segment. When we return, we'll dive into Auburn baseball and then wrap up the show. So stay tuned to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. Being entrusted with the parents' medical... It was another good weekend for Auburn baseball. They won two out of the three games in the tournament, including a win over a top 25 Iowa team on the opening night of the tournament down at the College Baseball Classic in Jacksonville. That Iowa win was extremely impressive because it was a come-from-behind 7-5 to win during a game that got delayed until late in the night because of rain earlier in the day that delayed the game before them. So great job getting that win against a really good pitcher, a guy who's going to be a top-10 pick for Iowa in the MLB draft this upcoming season, throws over a 100. They battled and got into Iowa's bullpen and then were able to mount the comeback and had a quick turnaround. And had to play at twelve o'clock the next morning after their game against Iowa didn't finish till around midnight the night before. So they responded with a ten run rule over Wichita State in that second game. And then finally lost the finale to Virginia, top ten Virginia team six to four in what was a back and forth game. So I really thought it was a great weekend for Auburn. They showed the ability to handle adversity. That's the biggest thing. Especially this early in the season to be able to to win a game late at night and then to come back the next day early for an early first pitch and to be able to win that one and win it by the 10-run rule that shows maturity and that is a that to me is extremely impressive and is a great sign for what this team can accomplish this season if they've got that ability to have that great of mental toughness and that Uh, that maturity at this point in the season. So great job by Auburn. Have to pat him on the back for that to to be able to handle what was a tough situation, and I think Butch Thompson will be very pleased. Obviously, you're disappointed to lose that game against Virginia to close out. Would have loved to have gotten another win, but still two good wins in that tournament that you can build on, and that will help pad your resume. The bats did cool down a little bit. But that, that's to be expected. You're, you're playing greater competition. That's going to happen. But still was not a bad hitting weekend by any, by any stretch of the imagination uh, for this Auburn baseball team. I think Drew Fabian really had a good day against Virginia. He actually has the highest average on the team. That's the transfer from Florida. The pitching overall was solid. There there were some bumps in the road, but not bad. I, they went with the same rotation as last weekend with Chase Alsop, then Joseph Gonzalez. And then uh, finishing the weekend off with Carson Myers. So overall, I think Butch Thompson should be happy. He should be pleased with with uh, where his team's at to start off the season, um, with just one loss after the first six games. of so five and one. Now they'll head home. They'll play Sanford on Tuesday night, and then we'll play UConn in a series this weekend. So they'll look to keep keep building that resume and keep sharpening up before conference play. Get started. So I I, again, nothing has changed for me as far as my outlook for this Auburn baseball team the rest of the way. Really excited about their potential and what they can accomplish this season. All right. Well, let's wrap up this show the final couple minutes here by talking about what's to come for Auburn basketball and Auburn sports in general because we are going to be off air next week. So I got to give my final prediction first on Auburn basketball because when I return to the air the regular season believe it or not will be over with for Auburn basketball and we we will be prepping for the SEC tournament and of course the NCAA tournament so a lot's going to happen. Auburn has 3 excuse me 4 more games to play before I'll be back on air. I think they'll finish 13 and 5. Right now they sit at 10 and 4. As I mentioned, I think Auburn loses this game to Tennessee. I think they win against Mississippi State at home, go to Missouri and get a win there, and then win against Georgia at home to finish out the regular season. 13-5 and should give Auburn a top-four seed in the SEC, more than likely. It will not allow them to get a share of the SEC regular season championship, but should still put them in a good spot in the SEC tournament and then also a seeding for the NCAA tournament. So I think 13-5, and top-four finish in the SEC. And they'll be uh, looking to to get ready to hopefully make noise in the SEC tournament. So when we return, it will be tournament time. It's going to be a really, really exciting, and a lot will be going on. Again, we'll have Auburn baseball's multiple series as well over the uh, next couple of weeks. Auburn, like I said, football will practice a couple times. They'll be off for spring break before returning there. So thank you all for listening today to the show. I, I appreciate it, whether you're listening live or listening in person. Again, we will not be on air next week due to spring break, so no Talking Tumors next week, but I'll be really looking forward to being back in two weeks. So enjoy the week of Auburn basketball, Auburn baseball, whatever you're watching. Have a great one. Thank you for listening to Talking Tumors. Make sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 for another edition. Also, make sure to check out Weagle's 24-hour live stream on WeagleFM.com. And follow us on social media at Weagle underscore AU. War Eagle, and see you next time.